0: Hello, and welcome to Every Word Jesus Spoke, the only podcast that I know of in the entire world that records in a church basement in Oklahoma City in the 7137, wait, 731- 120. 120 zip code. Uh, So, and the world's leading uh, podcast in all those departments. (laughs)
1: We are very unique.
0: <laughs> I am one of your hosts, uh, Reverend Jonathan Kleinsman. With me is the Reverend Dr. Dayton L. Owen. How is it going, Dayton? It's going good. So far, so good. So far? So far. So good. So good. Uh, it's been really fun the last uh, few weeks, uh, starting to explore the words of Jesus. It's been
1: fun. I've, had, I've enjoyed the conversation and learning some new things as I go, so I've had fun with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's and and you are starting to see some like uh, I don't know I think like early patterns. I think that uh, we as theologians or pastors like sometimes we can always big picture Jesus sometimes and and uh, to see kind of the slow development of how the theology lays out and the story of Jesus pans out has been really interesting. It's to been me. fun.
1: It's been really interesting and to uh, keep coming back to how uh, all of this is still relevant for the day.
0: For yeah. me. And
1: yeah. So it's
0: a lot of interesting, a lot of good stuff. Right. Absolutely. It's been good. So uh, today we are going to talk about, like last week we had two verses. Um, today we have significantly more. Uh, and... Uh, we apologize ahead of time. The basement we are in, <laughs> recording right <laughs> literally now, literally in a basement. It is uh, it is right below a construction area, so you might hear random saws or uh,
1: jackhammers, jackhammers,
0: <laughs> or uh, screaming and crying. But mostly the that's just normal stuff. The screaming and crying will just be Dayton and night trying to <laughs> figure out. What to say to you guys, but uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you might hear random noises, so don't worry. Don't oh my gosh, it sounds Just like, like there, there's an earthquake right now. Uh, so don't worry about your radio dial or anything like that. It's it's probably us, so we'll, we'll own that ahead of time. So today we are going to be talking about uh, Jesus calling his first disciples, and uh, we'll be, we're going to be operating out of John chapter one. Versus uh, 35 through 51, and uh, we will kind of get a, a look at uh, what all that entails in a minute, but. Part one, the setup. Dighton, what what can we say before we jump in about uh, the backstory? What do we need to know heading into this passage? This is, uh,
1: we're continuing along, I mean, pretty pretty consistently the past few weeks of uh, of Jesus, uh, of his life and his entry into public ministry. So we've had John the Baptist on the scene with his preaching. We've had now the baptism of Jesus. Um, and now we're moving into uh, John kind of doing clearly what he was sent to do, and that's pointing to Jesus as the one to follow. Right. Uh, so so now he's we're at that point today, beginning with uh, John saying, there's the one you to follow, right. not me, follow him. Uh, so um, uh, John is a unique gospel um, in the way it addresses uh, Jesus. This is more of a kind of a storytelling gospel right. and the encounters Jesus has with people, um, uh, which is John's focus, uh, focusing on uh, Jesus as the word of God made flesh. Right, um, And now, now we begin his public ministry
0: right right and uh, that's a that's a good word right the uh the word became flesh and that's that is a, a a a passage we find earlier uh in this chapter right uh one of those greek greek phrases you have to learn if you're learning greek is uh is it comes from that line in archae in hologos right in the beginning was the word that that word is it's a loaded statement right it like like logos uh we translate it as word but it could also mean reason or logic like uh, a few other different definitions basically like um in the ancient world it would have been understood that that like when you're talking about this divine word that that we know is Jesus like we're talking about uh, all of human reason or all of godly wisdom kind of wrapped up in this one person and so um uh, the 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 book of john um, which we haven't really touched on this far in the in the the podcast but it builds the case that jesus is this sort of divine reason this divine word that has sprung into the world to speak life right and in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god right And they're slowly un- unveiling jesus's divinity as we go along as well. Right. Like that's, uh, that's kind of been a recurring theme of the podcast that we've, we've noticed is Jesus's humanity and Jesus's divinity Divinity. being on display at every, at every, um, at every sort of, uh, uh, cross of, of the road. Right. Like, like this is, this is Jesus. And, and now, uh, this is, I think another example of both, right. Like, uh, Jesus, uh, is is uh, he is divine, right? And so he could just say, "Okay, now my kingdom's going to spread everywhere," but instead he goes through a very human process of collecting followers, of collecting disciples, and that would that's something that you would have seen a lot of in the ancient world, right? Like oh, right. a lot of rabbis had disciples, uh, a lot of philosophers had disciples, right? Exactly, um,
1: and even even pseudo messiahs that came before Jesus had disciples. So this isn't an unfamiliar an unfamiliar concept to the people. And when you think of the word logos, um, for me anyway, a good way to look at that is to define it as um, the character of God. I mean if you want sure. to know if you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus, who is God's character, Enfleshed. Right. Uh, and that's exactly what John tries to portray his entire gospel is. Jesus is a fulfillment of God's word. In fact, he is God's character. Um, so I think, and today is a good example of that and all that you just mentioned, too, that he goes through this very human process uh, and not just shows up from on high and, and, and works from on high, so to speak, but he's down in the muck and the mire. <laughs> right, right. You know, and he... he he does his ministry um, in such a way that it's not anything but um, human. There's some humanity to it. So it helps us identify better with with uh, helps him identify better with with us and us with him.
0: yeah, and uh, and um so discipleship in the first century, Like, let's look at it from their point of view, right? That the people that are about to be called, like disciples in first century Judea, they're they're usually students of popular rabbis, Um, but usually they are they start off younger, right? Right. They usually start off, you know, early. Well, you know, early teens,
1: young young kids, uh, if not younger, starting out as as students of um well-known or or well-regarded rabbis right um, and as you said there were disciples of philosophers too but here we're looking at disciples of rabbis so you could think of all the rabbis of Jesus day um, and and students sitting around their the, the rabbi's feet learning from him and and uh, that's the image but now you have disciples that are, Adults, grown men, right, following uh, John and then later uh, uh, Jesus, Um, and a disciple is a student. That's what the word means: someone who is who is a learner who wants to learn. Right. Um, So this is this is the calling of Jesus's first students.
0: Yeah, yeah. These he's not like some other would be messiahs. uh, He's not collecting soldiers. He's not collecting. Uh, he's not collecting, uh, you know, uh, co-conspirators. Uh, you know that that word in Greek, "mathetes," that literally means a learner. Right. He's he's collecting adults um, and uh, to be his followers so that they can learn his way, right? right. And and that is that is uh, a difference between um, a uh, a religious movement and a revolution, right? Uh, and they they kind of look the same on the outside, but but Jesus is is collecting people, and the thought is that they're going to learn to to be like Jesus, right? Right, that's exactly right. And so, um, uh, you know, some of the uh, things we've said about uh, disciples, they they would have been the the you know they would have been collected at an early age, but Jesus is about to recruit older uh, men. Uh, and when we say older, we mean probably twenties and thirties, not like, you know, sixties and seventies, but, (laughs) but we don't actually know, right. We don't know. We we don't don't know, know, uh, are, are any of their ages? Really? We know that John is probably a young man. Mm -hmm. That's about, that's about it. That's about it. Um, and so, uh, so, in addition to most disciples would have been recruited at an earlier age, they also would have been pretty well groomed to just be disciples, right? They would have, they would have been the cream of the crop, religiously speaking. They would have been the ones that had the like the first five books of the the Bible memorized, right? right? The the Torah would have been something that they would have been working on, and so. Uh, and, but what we see is, is we see fishermen and and uh, later on you know tax collectors and uh you know uh, we don't get we don't get his story here we don't get the story of Simon the Zealot but Simon the Zealot's probably a terrorist right, right? <laughs> See, that's
1: right i mean yeah he's he is one that would just as soon uh murder people into believing his way as right. trying to argue this way into it so he's that's right i mean we don't know a whole lot about um, about these these disciples, except that they were um, recruited, so to speak, to learn the ways of Jesus. Right.
0: And so uh, is there anything else you'd want to add on background uh, at this point? I can't think of anything more
1: right now. We'll probably circle back around a time or two. But,
0: oh, I imagine um, we will. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just remember Jesus has uh, – He's been baptized. He has just returned from his time in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. He's just begun declaring uh, his kingdom, right? Uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And uh, now we are uh, we're going to look at how he uh, how he recruits his disciples to start making that kingdom with him. And so it's time for our red letters. Uh, We're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. So here we go.
1: Part 2, The Red Letters.
0: The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approach him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All right. So now let's dive into these passages. Let's dig a little deeper. All right. Part three, digging deeper. What sticks out to you about this passage, Stein?
1: Um The first thing that sticks out to me is all of the titles that are given uh, to Jesus in these few verses. You have, um, for example, Lamb of God, Rabbi, um, else A Messiah, um, and some others that are found before and after the scripture lesson. But... Um, all of those titles have certain certain meaning, um, and and I think uh, part of the reason is because each of the disciples sees something uh, different in Jesus, and each come to Jesus with different needs. So um, some might come to Jesus and look to him as a teacher or a rabbi. Others might see him as a, the Christ or the Anointed One, the the Messiah. Uh, so all of those, I mean, that's t- how many different titles are in that scripture? Right uh, lesson uh, for Jesus. Um, which also goes, I mean, in my mind, it 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 shows us that there is no one title that is adequate for Jesus, right? So we all come to Jesus with different needs and we may need something different from Jesus at different times, but he fulfills all of those titles. He fulfills all the needs that we that we have, and I think that's reflected in in the way the titles are used.
0: Yeah, I, I think it uh, it certainly speaks to you know what they're looking for, right? Uh, let's see the first title used in this particular passage: the Lamb of God, right? Right. Uh, so John has been telling his disciples about Jesus, right? right. And probably he's been uh, they've been buzzing about him since he left after uh, getting baptized and walked out into the <laughs> wilderness, right? right? So he's back and, and John points out and says, hey, it's the Lamb of God and that's that's a, a title that uh, you know that would have uh, that would have evoked imagery, right? Like right. like the, the one, you know we've we, we kind of are used to calling Jesus the Lamb of God, but they would have uh, associated lambs with the sacrificial system mm-hmm. uh, that that's still in place at this time. Um, they would have uh, associated lambs with things that take away sin uh, uh, or ritual impurity in their system, and uh, and so yeah, yeah. Jesus is this lamb of God, this 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 thing that has come to take away their sin, and that's when they start following. Like right. they're they're like, oh, okay, let's go check this guy out. <laughs> um, then they call him Rabbi, right, the 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 teacher, and so they, there's this understanding that he is this spiritual authority that he has wisdom. Um and eventually, uh, you know, when Andrew goes home to tell his brother Simon about Jesus, he says that they found the Messiah, right? right. the The anointed one who's going to lead, um, lead the people of Israel out of captivity uh, again, right? This this uh, figure that is anointed by God uh, to bring the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah, they have. They called him. Uh... Uh, what well, the king of Israel, that political image, yeah, they call him the son of uh, the son of God, that uh, um, a title given to the Messiah, right, uh, the anointed one or the Christ. So you can see what the you can see what the disciples are already thinking about Jesus. Oh, here's a great teacher, uh, probably heard about some of his teachings, but you have others that are thinking, oh, this is the guy that's going to save us right. from Rome, right, He'll set us free. This messianic kind of a warrior picture. Um, so they all, they all see Jesus in a different way.
0: Yeah. And, and it's really only looking back now, you know, I I've read John chapter one way too many times, thanks to Greek class. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, you see just this bombardment of titles, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and with each title, we get an idea about Jesus uh, but it starts earlier in the chapter, you know, with, with uh, you know the first few verses labeling Jesus as the, the Word of mm-hmm. God, right? And and that's the framework that John is using to uh, to sort of set the whole picture, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Right. And so they're accurately labeling Jesus on some level, but really he's the sum of all those labels exactly. and more
1: and more. Right,
0: and so uh, we see some interesting interactions. Right, the uh, <laughs> the first two people that uh, that uh, Jesus talks to, Philip and Andrew, uh, they just they're like, "Hey, let's go hang out with him for yeah. a while," right?
1: <laughs> right. I mean, they they follow him after they hear John encourage them to go follow. Um, Uh, So it's like they just, they're curious. They want to know what he has to teach or to say. Uh, And so they follow after him. And then you'll notice in the 38th verse, uh, as they are following Jesus, Jesus turns and sees them following. And then he engages them in this conversation, which uh, is an interesting thing. At least in my mind, uh, it, it points to the fact that Jesus always makes the first step. Sure, yeah. You know, he's the one that turns to them first before they can say, hey, wait, we want to talk. Uh, He turns around and asks them, what are you looking for? Right. Uh, He makes that first step, which is how God often works.
0: And this this is where, uh, you know, I think that uh, it's been extremely useful for us the last few weeks talking about Jesus's divinity, but also Jesus's humanity, right? Because the way that this discipleship is entered into, like, I think we have a tendency to over-religify uh, things, right? right? <laughs> right? Like, we, we make things overly religious and, like, we, we sort of think that, like, oh, yeah, the disciples must have been, like, bowing, oh, Jesus, accept us <laughs> as your followers, you know, or, or whatever. Um, did Jesus engages them in conversation is a relational it's a relationship thing and and we don't know any of the words that he says after he gets to the place where Jesus is staying we just know that they spent a long time a long talking time. to them right. and uh and then there's something about that relationship that makes them want to draw other people in right
1: yeah I mean he and and this is a great example of for lack of a better term, invitational evangelism. Right, where he just invites them. Well, come and see. He doesn't try to argue them into any certain belief. He just says, "Come and see. Hang out for a while right. and see." Um, so, uh, I mean, and and then again later, uh, Philip echoes that same thing when he tells Nathaniel, "Come and see." Doesn't try to argue, which is what. All believers ought to be doing right? Right, right, living in such a way and speaking in such a way that they are invitational, right, uh, and trying to uh, invite people to get to know Jesus rather than trying to argue their case.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely there's definitely something that sticks out about this from a relational standpoint is that Andrew and Philip can't keep their mouths they shut, can't right? Stop like talking, they right. they want people to know. And the people that they love, they want them to know that this this Jesus guy has come and he has changed everything. Everything
1: has been changed. All right.
0: And 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 so and, and let's talk about what that means for these guys, right? Like we know uh Andrew and and Peter um that they're fishermen, right? right. Like they are uh they are not uh who you would have expected to be the ones that are going to be the disciples of anybody. <laughs> right. Right. They're, they're, they've, they're too old. They've, they're already in their profession. Um, and, uh, they, you know, fishermen are not very high up on the social ladder. Right. Um, and yet Jesus has called them. We know, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get every disciple's story on, uh, <laughs> in, you know, in this passage about where they come from, but, but just the collection of misfits that Jesus assembles, right? You know, Levi is a tax collector. They would have been right. the most unholy people <laughs> um, in uh, in the entire uh, you know Jewish world from a certain standpoint because of their complicity with the pagans around them. They, you know, but Jesus calls calls them. He calls uh, Simon the Zealot, who almost assuredly is a, a member of a, a of a uh, religious terror group, right, uh, that was operating at the time. And so a, a man of violence, and he invites him in, the Prince of Peace yeah. invites him in. And Judas, I mean, right. Judas, another yeah, local terrorist sort of
1: right. character. Uh, so you have these deeply loyal Jews like Peter and Andrew being mixed up with what they would consider traitors like Levi, yeah. who is a Jew who has been, who has uh, working for the Romans by collecting taxes right. from his own people, um, and, and and some of the other characters. So this is a <laughs> this is a misfit, mismatched group of people. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it just goes to show us Jesus's nature um, in inviting everyone in, regardless of their background. Um, and, and they all. It's amazing to me that they don't kill each other. <laughs> right
0: right one of my favorite uh passages is actually in the book of acts um p- peter and john uh john the disciple not john the baptist but they they get up uh and they preach this um, like amazing gospel message and one of the things it says is the crowd was surprised because john and peter were uh unschooled ordinary men is how the the translate uh, the translation renders it, but that, that word for um, unschooled is the Greek word uh, idiote, right? <laughs> <Idiots>. <laughs> they, they literally were the, these idiots that, that did this amazing thing. But, but really that's just a kind of a anecdote that sort of shows that, um, uh, that these guys were ordinary, right?
1: right? Just one of the uh, folks like you and me, um, Ordinary people; they weren't high class, high society. They were the everyday work, work a day world kind of people, uh, and and some of them, as you've mentioned, would have been hated by the rest of society. Right. But he was; they were called into his circle of disciples, nonetheless.
0: Well, and and uh, I think it's worth noting here that that this is the story about Jesus collecting these male followers. Right, Jesus has a number of female followers that the, the Book of John talks about, uh, and we don't get their stories very much. Uh, but we know that that some of the most important uh, leaders in the early church um, are women. Right? Like we we know, uh, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul will write letters to women leaders of right. these of these Gentile churches, and so this isn't just a, a guy's game. But Jesus is attracting all sorts of followers. In fact, one of the criticisms of Jesus um, is not just that he has dinner with tax collectors, but also that he has dinner with prostitutes, prostitutes right? That's right? And so Jesus is hes gathering this uh, eclectic band of uh, misfits that that probably the important people of Judea would have said, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. I thought this guy was supposed to be special.
1: Right. Yeah. He, I mean... Everything about Jesus shocks everybody from the moment uh, in his public ministry. From the moment he is baptized, uh, all the way through, he's he's turning everything upside down. Uh, he doesn't recruit the best, the brightest. He recruits as as Acts says, the idiots, <laughs> the <laughs> ones that are that are cast out, or forgotten, or overlooked, or whatever. Right. Uh, and and uses them to carry on his work.
0: And even in a way like, uh, you know, Jesus is, uh, kind of exemplifies that group in a way, right? Like, uh, when, uh, when Philip tells, uh, Nathaniel about Jesus and that he's from Nazareth, right? Nathaniel's response is Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Right? Like like that armpit? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that cesspool. There is nothing in the scripture,
1: the old Testament, the Hebrew scripture, that refers to Nazareth being anywhere near where the Messiah would, would be from. Right. So I mean, for them to hear that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming from Nazareth, yeah, Nathaniel's going, you know, that's the that's the worst possible place. Right, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, those people those people. Yeah. <laughs> those people and yet jesus does come from there and he's not only good he's perfect Perfect. right uh which is just interesting like how god sees things and how we see things is is different so and so uh we uh we see that jesus is concerned with ordinary people that he has not come for necessarily the elite, the way we would build a kingdom. Right. Well, we'd go after military power and important people. But Jesus, he starts building this kingdom with, uh, you know, unschooled, ordinary people. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and which just goes to show you, we can never underestimate the value of someone uh, to be used for the work that Jesus has right. you know, has for us to do. So I think that's an important point to, to keep in mind, this ragtag group of followers. Yeah. You know, if it had been you or me, <laughs> we probably would have been looking for princes and and the influential leaders in the community, right. but not Jesus. He looks for those that are forgotten or disp- uh, despised or, or whatever uh, and uses them. Um, in spite of what others think of them or maybe even what they think of themselves. Right. I mean, the
0: the truth is the story of Jesus, uh, about the way he goes about things. It just, it, it defies expectations at every turn, right? If you're looking for the center of worldly power in the first century, you would have sent him to, uh, to Rome or the, the other, you know, uh, Uh, the other worldly power at the time, China. Right. You know uh, you know, you would not have said that uh, the important people would be um, in Nazareth um, uh, or anywhere, even in Judea, like adjacent, right? Right. Like this, uh, you know, at the time Judea is kind of this uh, backwater place in the empire. Uh, The Jews themselves are, are constantly under the thumb of Roman rule And they are basically forgotten, persecuted, um, unliked people in the world. Yeah, and yet this is where the Prince of Peace shows up. This is where uh, where God incarnate is manifested, is is in this way. But even then, it's it's not. He doesn't come in with trumpets or anything like that. He comes as a as a child, you know, in, (laughs) in the form of this baby. Was vulnerable and and born in a major stable a major to a poor family, as far as we can tell, right? The the scriptures uh, the word that's used to describe Joseph is you know, that we translate as carpenter is tecton. That's right. basically means a day laborer. He doesn't right. even own his family's ancestral land. That's right. He's he works with his hands. Um,
1: he could be a carpenter, work with wood or stone, right? You know, he could work with a lot of material, but he doesn't own anything. Yeah, he is. He is among the
0: poorest of the poor, right? And and he comes, and he does. You know, he he's his teachings are brilliant enough. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the force of his personality is is strong enough that he he starts to get become, gets some notoriety, and then he's baptized. He has his the spirit poured out on him. He goes into the desert and comes back, and immediately begins preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is near right like ushering in the kingdom but he doesn't start to recruit the high and mighty he recruits the ordinary right. um and and that's how this church begins and is is built up and, and you know one of the thing, one of my favorite things about this translation of the bible uh jesus you know he gives C, uh simon a new new name right, right. uh uh, what I love about it, it says, "You will be called Cephas," which translated is Peter, which literally translated is the rock. rock. Right? He's the he's the rock that Jesus is going to build the church on. But what I think is funny about it is, uh, it translates the the uh, Aramaic into the the Greek, this is the Greek, and it's an English translation. <laughs> like, well, why don't you tell us what Peter well, means, right? Uh, so he's this rock that he's going to build the church on, and and when we look at Peter's life over the course of the the scriptures, like calling him a rock, it might be accurate if you're talking about how hard it is to get through to yeah, how, thick-headed, how he thick-headed
1: he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the guy that waffles back and forth. Uh, he's he's always a little late to the game. Right. He, he doesn't figure it out until after the fact. Um, so this is kind of Jesus maybe encouraging uh Peter by by saying, you know, you're the rock, you can do this, and later he becomes that rock. But at this point, it's like that's that would not be the name I would give him. <laughs> right.
0: So. Right. Yeah. And it and maybe that speaks to something. Maybe yeah, Je- yeah. Jesus sees something in people that we don't we see. We don't see. That's right.
1: Part four, making it real.
0: So uh I think we've we've sort of broken down the ancient context of this scripture. Uh, is there anything that that uh, you see when you look at this scripture that you you sort of uh, you know um, you know what's the word I'm looking for here that when you look at our modern times that you would say uh, this is something that speaks today?
1: Yeah, I think we've we've kind of touched on a couple of points here. One is that. Uh, um, You know, we we need to be invitational in our approach to introducing uh, Jesus to people or people to Jesus by not trying to argue them into it, uh, which was the way that a lot of us grew up. I mean, I can remember people trying to argue uh, others into this faith, and, and we know that. Uh, not many people are argued into the faith. Right, right. Uh, it has to be this relational thing, which you mentioned earlier. This is a this is a story and a gospel. The whole gospel is a story of relationship, um, and and I think uh, um, that's a key point here that that our faith is based not on. You know, propositions, not on rules and regulations. It's based on a person and on a relationship with that person, and I think that's what John is, is, is stressing or emphasizing throughout this entire gospel. Um, so I think uh, that is one thing: um, is we need to learn how to be more invitational. Um, in our approach to to Jesus and and to others, introducing them to Jesus. Uh, then another thing that stuck out for me was Jesus asks uh, the two disciples there at the very beginning, "What are you looking for?" Yeah. Um, which I mean, when you're looking when you're looking for it, when you're looking for Jesus, exactly what are you looking for? Right. Are you looking for a teacher? Are you looking for someone that can offer some form of salvation or, or freedom? Um, are you looking for you know a conquering hero? Um, I think as a, I think those are important questions for us to ask. Which is why I think they have all these titles uh, in in this scripture here, uh, because Jesus is beyond any single title, um, but he culminate he's the culmination of all our all our titles for him. Um, so I think I think this is a, a good story about we start out with Jesus in a relationship, right? Not not an argument, not a proposition, but in a relationship. Just come and see. Yeah. What what Jesus says to to uh, uh, Philip and, and and others there, he says to us: just just come and see. I'm not going to try and argue you into it. I'm not going to try and uh, uh, kind of lay out
0: my plan. I just want you to come and see. Right. Well, and, and, and that sort of relational approach, I think it has a lot to say about um, about Christians in the 21st century also. Like I, uh, I think that a lot of people um, – when they encounter followers of Jesus are put off because sometimes followers of Jesus can sort of buy into the myth of how special they are. Right. Right. Like we we even, we even use words sometimes in certain Christian circles, right. To refer to ourselves as, you know, we're the elect we're special and we're set apart. And those sinners over there could never (laughs) be like us or whatever. Um, Really, when we see the people that Jesus selects as his disciples, we see that Jesus is looking way deeper and and at way different things than what we worldly people look at. And so, yeah, if you're listening to this uh, and you feel like you're unimportant and you feel like God could never use you and you feel like uh, you could never be the kind of person that Jesus would say uh, is is his follower? Well, guess what? You're in good company because the original disciples were that way too. And yet these unimportant people by the world standards end up being the people that Jesus uses to build his church. And I think it's important to remember like when when Jesus uh, when he is resurrected and ascends, um, his church is maybe a few hundred people, maybe, maybe. Um, today it's a couple billion people. Right. Um, so obviously Jesus knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's exactly right.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's
1: this idea of um, you know ascending to greatness. Jesus shows us no, you descend to greatness. Uh, like you said, I mean, at the time of his resurrection, maybe a hundred people were in the in the church or among his followers, um, and. You know, he never wrote a book. Right. He never built a church, a building. Uh, he had these 12 ragtag group of outcasts and misfits. Uh, but from that 12 or 13 people there of disciples uh, that were a part of his circle, you, you've you reached these 2 billion plus people that claim to be people of, to be his followers of people right. of faith. Um, so, you know. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. None of us is, um, but God still has a way of of finding the best in us, like Jesus does here, as you've mentioned, and and using us in spite of ourselves.
0: Yeah, and and uh, so. Uh... I just, just I just I had to Google this really quickly, so you know uh, you're getting you're getting behind the scenes look. <laughs> so Google it; it must be true. Uh, but just pulled up uh, what were the occupations of the twelve disciples? Uh, so some of them were unknown, right? We don't know every one of them, but we have fishermen, we have tax, oh, collectors, tax collectors, we have uh, you know tradespeople of some sort. Uh, We have, um, you know, Judas uh, probably was maybe a a criminal uh, or a a, a terrorist, right? Simon the Zealot was literally a terrorist. Yeah, uh, yeah, literally. Um, You know, we have uh, all of these people, um, and yet I don't see a single priest uh,
1: right. <laughs>
0: uh, among them. Right. And, and, um, one of the things, one of the problems I run into with, uh, my, my close friends and family is this, this thought that they're somehow less important to the kingdom of God than I am because I'm a pastor. Right. And the truth is, uh, being a pastor didn't get you selected to be a disciple, right? right. Uh, that that calling comes from Jesus and that your work the, the work of the church goes way beyond the church building, right? Like uh, Jesus uses incredibly ordinary people to do incredibly monumental things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to have all the answers. We're not, those of us that are claiming to be a part of the, the body of believers don't have it all together. You know, we fall and falter and sin and fail, uh, but we're still, still. Plugging away, still included, and still doing uh, the work that we've been called to do. So, absolutely. Anything you want to add? I can't think of anything else. We've had a lot of—I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this one to unpack. Sure, yeah, but, but as there always is. But um, I think I, I think if if there was one takeaway, it would be, you know, what are you looking for? That question. Uh, when you're looking for Jesus, just what are you looking for? And and remember that Jesus always takes that first step and establishes that relationship with you and me. And just all all he does is invite you to come and see.
0: Come and see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this passage of Scripture. I like that... Um... That Jesus just sits down and talks to people. Yeah, just yeah, that's true too. Just sits
1: down and talks to them. It's not a lecture, right? It's, he is a rabbi in the best sense
0: of the word. He sits and talks, and and it changes people's lives. It right? changes changes their lives. Um, and so, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we hope that you will sit at the feet of Jesus, that you will listen to what Jesus has to say about you, and about uh, the the amazing way that God has crafted you into God's own image. Um, and that, that uh, even you, no matter how sinful or broken, you might think you are can be used by uh, Jesus to build the kingdom uh, and that you can sit at Jesus's feet as well. Uh, if you're listening, we'd like to say thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you're not listening, you don't hear this at all. <laughs> so, so, so uh, we could literally say anything about you and you wouldn't hear. Um, <laughs> One way that you can help people to hear this podcast, though, is to uh, on iTunes or Spotify or whatever uh, podcasting app you're using. If you would go in and give us a rating or a review, that can help other people to find this content, uh, this uh, this podcast. We believe that hearing the words of Jesus Christ is life changing, and so we would like for as many people as possible to do that. Um, and then again, if you are curious about Scripture, don't just take our words for it. Uh, as, you know, as the hit TV show Reading Rainbow said, don't just take our words for it. Uh, read it yourself. Read it yourself. You know, we, would, we would highly recommend, you know, starting at one of the Gospels and just reading about the life of Jesus. And and we promise that it will be uh, a good experience. That's right. right. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Well, see you later. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Have a nice week. Have a week. great week.
1: This podcast is a ministry of Chapel Hill United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, go to mychapelhill.org.